0: You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Good morning, family. We're in a series called Change My Mind. And let me remind you of a truth that we learned last week. And if you weren't here last week, let me remind you of a truth that we can learn together today from Romans chapter 1. Here it is, distorted worship leads to distorted thinking, which leads to distorted passions or desires, which then leads to um, distorted living, like just dysfunctional living. In fact, we used that word last week, dysfunctional. Dysfunctional worship then leads to dysfunctional thinking, dysfunctional thought patterns, which then leads to unhealthy and dysfunctional desires and, and, and passions of the heart. The next thing you know, because we're always going to do what our, our heart tells us to do, we find ourselves living dysfunctionally, or living un, in an unhealthy way, living in a distorted way or a disordered way. So if you're here today and you're thinking, yeah, even as a Christian, man, I'm just not really, not really happy with the way I'm living my life. I'm not, not really proud of decisions I'm making. I don't feel like I'm living a life that, that honors the Lord. In fact, maybe you feel just the opposite. Maybe you feel like you're living a very dishonorable life. Or life of of not much purity, or much godliness, or or rightness. You have to go back then and and consider your your worship, like the the, the awe that you have of of the greatness of God. You have to consider yourself what what what's your highest allegiance? Where are your, your heart's priorities? Because your your worship will always inform your thinking, and your thinking will always inform your heart, your passions, and your passions will always inform the way that you actually make choices and and live life. With your copy of God's Word, we're going to go back to the book of Romans, but this time Romans chapter 12. So if you're relatively new to opening up a Bible or finding a a Bible book on on your phone, it's the the sixth book in. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Romans. We're going to go to Romans chapter 12 and begin in verse 1 this morning. A great passage. Just, Just two scriptures today, two verses but um, man, there's some, some, some meat here, some depth here. So once you get those, go ahead and keep uh, this, this passage open. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. It says, Paul writing to the church of Rome, just like God would be speaking to us today, just as he is speaking to us today through his word. And the Spirit of the Lord says to Paul, and the Spirit of the Lord says to us, I, I appeal to you, which is a pretty emotive word, actually. I beg of you. I am pleading with you. Therefore, brothers, meaning sisters and brothers, family of God, Christ followers, by the mercies of God, because God is so filled with mercy. In other words, he has not given us what we deserve. Praise him. By the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Your Bible might say right there, which is your reasonable act of of service some bibles say which is a service of worship and so it is speaking there of of, of our service before god our worship before god do not be conformed to this world a, a very strong directive There's, this is a command in greek Do not be conformed to this world, but instead be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. Many of you are here today because you want to know, what is God's will for my life? Many of you have prayed this past week. What is God's will for my life? Many of you will pray this coming week. God, what is your will for my life? By the renewal of your mind, you might test in and discern what is the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect. There's there's an interesting phrase right here in verse one: a living sacrifice. Yes. It's an interesting phrase because it's paradoxical. Those two things actually contradict each other: living and and sacrifice. It's it's an oxymoron. Um, you know, oxymorons like like a jumbo shrimp or um, like um, a definite maybe. Um, airline cuisine. That's definitely an, an oxy, oxymoron. A, uh, a TCU genius. A cute cat. You know, whatever it might be. Those things just don't, don't go... They just don't fit. They don't go together. So, so the word living right here in, in Greek is the word zado. And the word sacrifice is, is the word fasia. So zato. if you were to literally translate that, it means a living killing. It's a weighty reminder to Christ followers here today that we put to death the right to live as we choose. We put to death this notion that somehow Christians, we belong to ourselves. I can't believe I'm saying this in the middle of America. I can't believe I'm pointing out this truth to you today because there's probably not been a culture more adverse to living the Christian life this way than 2021 United States. We put to death the right to live as we choose. And before you get up and leave here saying, man, what what is this about like like death and and dying and being a sacrifice? It, It feels like death, but here's the good news. It leads to life. Which is why it's called a living sacrifice. So you may already be thinking, hey preacher guy, I I just believed on Jesus because I didn't want to go to hell. And you're telling me now that that Jesus is also calling me to lay down my very life, my entire life to him. That sounds a little radical. God calls it, verse one, acceptable and reasonable. He calls it in verse one, this, this is your worship. This is your spiritual worship. If you think worship is just showing up at church and, and, and playing Hillsong while you brush your teeth and go into a devotional book for a few moments a day, you have missed out on worship because worship really is saying, God, all of me belongs to all of you. Amen. So let me repeat myself, and I'm not going crazy yet. Distorted worship Always leads to distorted thinking, which leads to distorted passions and desires, which will always land us in a distorted, dysfunctional, ungodly life and living. You see, distorted worship is when we forget the size of the one that we're worshiping. Distorted worship is thinking that that we can hold on to, to Jesus with one hand, but then hold on to our own passions and desires in life with our other hand. Distorted worship is thinking that somehow we're wiser than God and that we are better managers of our lives than he is. So what is a living sacrifice? Because this is what Paul is begging us to understand today. He is pleading with us to understand family, sisters, brothers. Because of God's mercy, we are to present our very lives, our bodies, as living sacrifice. So what is a living sacrifice? The living sacrifice, number one, is all of my body. All of my body. Verse 1, it says that we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. This may, I feel like crying sometimes when I'm preaching as well. This would be very strange to Romans and Greeks who read this or who heard this because they believed that that, that the mind was everything but the body was nothing. But here God's word tells us that that even our body belongs to God. It's not enough to simply have a, a Christian belief or some Christian inner peace because your body is how your soul acts. Our beliefs and our feelings can't do anything except through Our body. So God says, I want the entirety of your life. I want all of you. I want private and public, heart and body, inner and outer. That's what it means to be a living sacrifice. Secondly, a living sacrifice is all of my mind. So certainly all of my body, all that I am, but a living sacrifice is also all of my mind. Look at look at verse two. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's kind of our operative word in this in this series. In fact, if you'll jump down to to verse 3, it's not on the screen, but it is in your Bible. Look at verse 3. Paul goes on and says, But by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, you, you ought not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. So a living sacrifice is not only all my body, it's also all my mind, all my thoughts. God also wants our thoughts. He, he says here, I want you to lay down your mind before me. I want you to lay down your thought patterns before me. This goes back to what we looked at two weeks ago. That we need to move from a think, do people. We, we think things and we do things. We, we think things and we do things. And instead, we need to move that as Paul said later to the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians that we need to arrest or take captive every thought and take it to the obedience of Christ so instead of being think, do people let's be think, stop do or don't do people Jesus wants to stop Jesus wants us to take those thoughts to him, to lay our thoughts before him. God doesn't want just our activity. He doesn't want just our outer lives for others to see. And by the way, here in the South, we're really good at acting Christians so that others can see. God wants our very thoughts, our very mind to be a living sacrifice to him. Here's the third thing that a living sacrifice means in this passage is also all of my service. We see it in verse one. I think I pointed out to you already that some of your Bibles use the word worship there at the very end of verse one. Some of your translations use the word service. It's an interchangeable word. Uh, This is your reasonable act of service. That's how I grew up memorizing this verse. ESV says this is your spiritual worship. This is your service before the Lord. And all of this actually is in the context of service. A couple other verses. It's not on the screen, but it is in your Bible. Jump down to verse six of that same chapter. Look at the context here. Of, of service and serving others verse 6 um, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us let us use them that service if prophecy in proportion to our faith and if service in, in our serving the one who teaches in his teaching the one who exhorts in his exhortation the one who contributes or gives in generosity the one who leads let him lead with zeal the one who does acts of mercy or has has mercy as a way to serve with great cheerfulness this is about service there should be no unemployment Christians when it comes to service we're all called to serve there should be no such thing as a passive Christian we don't 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 come to church just to get your batteries charged for the week what what if you came to church with, with this statement I am pleading today with you God would you find me help me find a place to serve the body of Christ today I am pleading with you. Father, when I come today, tell me how much I need to give. Tell me what I need to do. Don't come to church to be served. You come to church to serve. That's that's what Jesus came. He did not come to be served. He came to serve. In fact, it's the opposite of Jesus to have an attitude, and I'm going to come to a gathering to be served instead of to serve. God wants our activity. He wants our service. He wants our actions. He wants our lives to count, and to count primarily in the body of Christ. So God commands our service to others as a living sacrifice. Romans chapter 12, look at verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may, you may know, you may discern what is God's will, what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, what is, what is perfect. So let's, let's see something really, really intense here, if you will. Christian, Christians, our soul has been changed by Jesus, but our flesh battles us constantly. That battle takes place in the mind. Amen. Now that statement is a little simplistic, but it's not incorrect. So let's go back and think about this for just a second. Christians, our, our soul, the Bible calls it our, our inner person, our inner man. Paul uses that phrase. The Bible also calls it our heart it 's been completely changed if you 're a christian it' it 's been renewed you 're a brand new person it is now Christ who lives in you. Uh, old theologians would call it a heart that was regenerated you 're a brand new creation in Christ. The old is gone behold everything is brand new so your soul, your inner man has been changed it 's been made new it 's been rescued it 's been redeemed by Jesus but our flesh in other words our our desires our our lusts our our appetites, our passions, they battle us constantly. I mean, you know that. You, you, you were in that battle this weekend. You'll be in that battle this afternoon. You'll be in that battle again this week. Christian, even though we have been saved by Christ, made new by Christ rescued by Christ our heart is new there's a brand new creation inside of us all of us understand even if it's just the ghost of our flesh we're constantly battling our flesh but where does that battlefield take place is actually the mind that's why thinking and thought patterns are key to our victory we make a huge mistake when we think that the battle is just about the tempting action you see the battle is long before the action The battle is long before you tell a lie. The the battle is long before you're unfaithful to a spouse or to a friend or to your family. The battle is long before you look at pornography. The battle is long before you express anger. The battle is long before you're self-centered. The battle is long before sexual sin. The true battle, the determining battle, is in the mind. So I've got some good news and some bad news. Which, Which one do you want to hear first? Let's do good news because it's on the screen first. So here, here's, here's the good news. Our good news is that our soul's allies in the battle are the Word and the Holy Spirit. In other words, Christian, good news. In the battle, we have some allies. We have some partners. And those partners are the Word of God and that partner is the Holy Spirit. Whew, good news. Now for the bad news. Our flesh has partners also our appetites our lust our passions our desires they also have partners and allies in the battle and that's the world wow that's a lot and the enemy now the enemy is not co-equal in strength to the Holy Spirit so I do want you to know that this isn't an even wrestling match but we have a very worthy adversary and the systems of the world itself are on the side of our flesh not on the side of our hearts Let me show that to you, that the Holy Spirit and God's word will always support and always stabilize and will always energize what your redeemed heart craves. The Holy Spirit and God's word will always support and energize what your redeemed person, your rescued inner person longs for and craves, such as truth. I mean, at the heart of every Christian, you, we desire truth. And here's the good news. The Holy Spirit will always guide us in the truth. Here's the good, good news. The Word is the truth of God. Um, our inner man desires peace. Our inner man, redeemed inner man, desires righteousness. It desires justice. It desires godliness. It desires joy. It desires eternal purposes. And all throughout that, the Spirit of the Lord is saying yes. And God's Word is saying yes to those things that we really desire, grace and, and, and fruitfulness. Now, the opposite is true as well. Satan and the systems of this world are constantly supporting, even stabilizing, even energizing our flesh. Maybe the better word to use there is enticing our flesh. Everything that our flesh craves, the world is saying yes. The enemy is saying yes. What does our flesh crave? Recognition. And temporary pleasure. And our name, our own name being made larger and larger, greater and greater, our own glory. What does our, cre- our flesh crave? It, it, it craves being served. It, it, it craves legalism. It craves unforgiveness toward others. It, it craves jealousy. And as our flesh is craving all those things, our enemy is saying, yes, keep going. The world is saying, yes, keep going. So here's the question. And fortunately, God gives us some beautiful, powerful poignant answers here's the question for us today how then can i renew my mind college students as you head off for the summer this would be a good thing to write down how can i renew my mind sister and brother as we fight a battle this week in our mind how can i renew my mind that would be a terrific question to ask number one from god's word resist the patterns of this world it's exactly what God's Word says to us in verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Again, as I said earlier, it's a directive. It is a command. Do not conform. Do not fall into the patterns of this world. We are commanded to avoid the pattern of the world. In fact, the Phillips translation, a, a pretty powerful translation of God's Word, uh, translates verse 2 here. Don't let the world squeeze you into its molds. Literally, in Greek, stop living according to to the world. But here's the tension. We all we, we live in this tension, Christian. Our our lives, Christ has come in, but we still live in the world. And even though Christ has come in, we still live in a world that is constantly bombarding us, is constantly assaulting us from all sides. And so it'd be very wise for you this week to consider the messages of this world and how the messages of this world move us off of the message of Christ. How so often those exterior messages of this world will move, move us away from the message of Jesus. What are some of the exterior messages of the world? Where are they found? I'm gonna sound like a 1965 Oklahoma Baptist preacher when I say this, but TV, culture, social media, songs, sports, ads. So I took some time this weekend to probably do what several of you in this house did. I watched some of the NFL draft. I like it because it's a little mindless and it's kind of fun to see who's going to be playing for who this, this coming year. But about half an hour into the NFL draft on Friday, I watched a little bit more of it yesterday, I just started writing down in a journal. This is what a nerd I am. And instead of just enjoying the draft, I'm writing down things that the commercials were saying to me. And honestly, I knew I was preaching this message I wasn't even thinking about watching TV for for an example, but but very quickly, I started writing down, and and amazing, about an hour and a half from Friday night of watching, about two hours yesterday of watching the NFL draft, I started writing down and saw some some repeated themes of what the world is telling my heart all the time. Let me tell you what I wrote down. Number one, here's the theme of all the ads that I saw. One, you be you. Number two, you deserve it. Number three, (laughs) You are happier with more things. Number four, what are other people doing? And compare your life to their life. Number five, trust your passions. Number six, don't trust others. Number seven, do what you need to do to be in. And number eight, long living is better than long faithfulness. see those messages that we hear all the time i mean listen for those eight things this week it is not only what our enemy tries to whisper to us it is what the world shouts to us every 24 hour cycle we're being reminded of these things and these messages move us from the message of jesus when we just allow those things to bombard us every day without doing what really the verb is here resist Do not be conformed. Here's the second way you can renew your mind. Prepare for transformation in his word. Transformation is here in in verse verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Transformation is the things that are seen on the outside, but only because it took root on the inside. Inside out, it literally means metamorphosis in, in Greek. It is teaching us here in verse 2 that the mind is the control center for transformation. So we are transformed on the outside by what happens to us on the inside. But it's not primarily a change of behavior. It's a change of thinking. I mean, you have probably in your hand, whether it be on your smartphone or in your bound copy, you have with you today 66 books that are guaranteed the will of God. And all 66 of these books in your Bible today, that you are calling you to something deeper. That they are calling you to something Godward. That they are calling you toward the will of God. They are calling you to be difference makers. They are calling you to be transformed. And the best way to read the Bible, and most of you will not do this because it cuts at our arrogance, the best way to read the Bible is to say, whatever I read today that I need to change, God, I will change. My answer to you, Jesus, is yes, even before I open up the Bible. You see, the next level of maturity, and certainly there's many here today like, man, I'm, I'm just ready for the next level of maturity. I've, I've been a baby Christian too long or kind of too youthful in my Christianity too long. You know the next level of spiritual maturity? Here it is. It's moving from what can I learn to what can I obey? See, if you read God's word just to learn things, you'll be very informed. But if you read God's word to surrender things, you'll be very transformed. I mean, it is hard to convince a lot of you probably to be in God's word every day that's a difficult thing honestly as a preacher as a shepherd hopefully as an encourager to you and one who admonishes you in great love on Sundays when we gather it is hard to convince many of you to be in God's word every day it is more difficult still to convince you to be in God's word every day that might cause a course correction in your life but you see that's transformation we need to prepare for transformation in his word here's the third thing exercise this new mind When you believed upon Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, he didn't give you only a new heart. He also gave you a new mind. In fact, he gave you his mind, the mind of Christ. This is key. Christ redeems our mind. He changes the way that we think. And we've missed this so often because we have this tendency to think about Christ coming in terms of changing our heart, and we forget also that he came to change our head the way that we think the patterns of our thoughts we, we can't relegate Jesus to just some emotional experience and some emotional realm that doesn't in- infect also the intellectual realm there's a, a prominent atheist by the name of Bertrand Russell and here's what he said most Christians would rather die than think in fact most of them do what a stinging indictment are people who have the mind of Christ I'm talking about having a thoroughly Christian worldview, a Christ saturated way to, to think about things so as summer approaches I would encourage some of you to, to read some great theological thinkers of, of our faith like, like C.S. Lewis like Francis Schaeffer like Augustine or Augustine depending on where you're from uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer J.I. Packer I mean these are people who who think through the ways of Christ that that haunts me most Christians would rather die than think in fact most of them do so let's use this mind let's exercise this mind that Christ has given us the, the, the mind of Christ that you have here's the fourth thing how do I renew my mind? Live a Jesus-centered life. And to prove to you that I'm not just making up number four as a cliche for the fourth point, let me show you what I mean by live a Jesus-centered life because you've probably heard that a few billion times in church. Let me tell you what it means. Number one, enjoy Jesus. Amen. That's the essence of the Christian life. You know why? Because that's the essence of our eternity, Christian. Enjoying the presence of Jesus. You can't enjoy Christianity without enjoying Jesus. Amen. You can't enjoy your freedom and, and, and your, the, the joy that you have in, in Christ without enjoying Jesus himself. He enjoys you. Glory. And if he's anything like the Father, and he's exactly like the Father, he delights in you, and he thinks of you, and he desires you. So this is what I mean by, by living a Jesus-centered life. Enjoy Jesus. Here's the second thing I would mean. Submit to Jesus. I mean, Jesus, what whatever you're calling me to do, whoever you're calling me to be, my answer is yes. I I surrender. I'm yours. Do a work in me. Do a mighty work in me. A big work in me. God, I'm not going to be so shallow to ask you to save me, but then tell you you're not going to leave me. This is submission to Jesus. I would also say study Jesus' truth, meaning God's word. Make it a discipline every day. All of us in this house, every day you look at yourself in the mirror I know you do. And all of you, I think, I hope, you brush your teeth every day. It's just just a discipline. What if God's word was just as much of a discipline of our lives? Being in God's word as seeing what we look like in the morning or before we leave the house or brushing our teeth in, in, in the morning, in the evening. Here's the fourth thing. What does it mean to live a Jesus centered life it means to surrender to Jesus's mission and it kind of begs the question what's the mission of Jesus I'll, I'll, I'll tell you it's the kingdom of God coming to earth Amen. it's heaven on earth the mission of Jesus is that all might know of, of this God who saves through Christ ultimately the mission of Jesus ultimately the mission of Jesus is the glory of God May that be our Jesus-centered life that we desire God to glorify you. Now, where does all this land? Paul tells us right here, don't be conformed, but be transformed that you might test and might discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, what is perfect. So here's where it lands. And then we live in his will. But all those things are are firing. We're, We're enjoying Jesus. We're submitted to Jesus. We're in his truth. We're on his mission then we're living in his will, and it's good, and it's acceptable, and it's perfect. In fact, so much so, it is more satisfying than anything this world has to offer. And so, if this world has left you miserable, cold, and wanting, press into the will of God, because it's more satisfying than anything this world has to offer. We're then able to discern his will for our lives. Our lives are transitioned into his will. It's not a distorted life. It's not a dysfunctional life. It's not an unhealthy life. It's a pure life. A, a life that is free to obey. A life that is free to worship the king. Amen. So let's end this way. Would you, would you mind standing where you are? And I just want to read over you what we just read from God's word. Uh, there will be a little commentary, so I'm not asking you to read along because I'm going to take the liberty to add a few more things here. Let me read God's word over you. Let this this strengthen you for the battle. Let Let this steady your legs and your mind and your hands for the days ahead. I appeal to you. I beg you. I plead with you. Therefore, family of God, sisters and brothers in Christ, because God is a God of mercy. He has withheld the judgment that all of us in this house deserve. I beg of you, present your bodies all of yourself, all of your body, all of your mind, all of your service as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This, this is worship. This is your reasonable act of service before God. Do not be conformed to all these patterns of the world. You'll be happier if you have more. Just follow your heart. Just trust your passions. Don't be conformed to all these patterns, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind the renewal of your thought patterns that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good what is acceptable what is perfect Father thank you for your word to us today by your grace would you renew our mind by your grace God would you teach us to be so wise with the patterns of this world God that we would resist them not fall into them the, the world and our enemy they are cheering on our flesh but God your spirit and your word they stabilize our hearts we choose Jesus a life centered on him submitted to him enjoying him being in his truth being on his mission oh God would you do a work in us today in Christ.